Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, what is going on, people? You know that sounds. It is the unfiltered band. It must mean, and it is. Another episode of Unfiltered. Officially, this will go down as episode 107. Another episode of October Unfiltered. We are live. If you are on Apple, Spotify, it's live whenever you listen to it, so it's all good. You can get this everywhere you get your podcasts and jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution at all times. At Casey Stern on Twitter. When you get in, you jump in the bio. You'll see my YouTube channel. You can also get on Believes as well. That's B-L-E-A-V. We're live on all three platforms right now and across social as we thank the Unfiltered Band and welcome you to another live episode of October Unfiltered as we sit here on a Friday. It has been 12 years in the making. The streets of Philadelphia, uh, a lot of Philadelphia freedom, not much free. As I referenced yesterday, the average uh, tickets are costly. Just to give you an example, Yankee Stadium, as per yesterday, and the people smarter than me and outside my pay grade to do all the numbers, about four fifty a pop, five sixty eight, five sixty eight, the average to get in at CBP, where it was such an emotional and amazing atmosphere in the series a week ago. We'll find out what it's like tonight. That coming up just after seven thirty seven. Uh, is exactly when they say, so let's get specific. The first pitch on FS1. We got a lot covered today. We'll look ahead to game three, continue on the NLCS. We'll look back at game two of the ALCS. I'll break it down in full here and get some help. We got great guests today. Uh, a couple of the uh, folks here at the Believe Network are going to join us. Jenna Becerra going to be with me. She's going to join me in about 12 minutes. A uh, Stanford alum, host of uh, Believe in Softball. We'll get a chance to chat with her about the game last night and uh, her thoughts on the Astros and Framber Valdez going up 2-0 in that series despite not getting anything. Zip, zero, zilch, nada so far from Jose Altuve breaking the wrong kind of records after all the great postseasons that he has had, including, of course, that big home run against these Yankees going back in 2019 to send them home and send Houston to the World Series. At the time, though, the roof was closed. Roof opened yesterday. That was a story. We'll get into that. Also, speaking of the Astros, uh, he believes in the Mariners. I'm not sure he believes what happened in that 18-inning game or with the home run from Jordan Alvarez that seemed to shoot down all of that layoff momentum that his M's brought in. But Brady Farkas is going to join me coming up here at 1230 Eastern time from Believe in Mariners. And then uh, my guy, Sweeney Murdy, Long time with WFAN Radio and SNY covering the Yankees. Nobody knows the Bombers better than him. He will join me and talk about what to expect as we head back to the Bronx in New York for game number three. So a lot to cover. As always, if you haven't joined us yet for this, you can jump in on the chat along the way. There's a few ways to do it. Number one, you can get in on YouTube, get in in chat. I'll bring those up and uh, react to them along the way. Also, you can respond and tweet at me at Casey Stern, and I'll read some replies. Or if you click it on the Twitter where you see the video, if you're watching now, you'll be able to chat in live, and I'll get to you there as well at Casey Stern for those of you who are on YouTube. And again, welcome, please. Uh, we're not discounting any of the Apple, Spotify, and all those other folks. And we're never discounting the fact that October Unfiltered is brought to you by our good friends and presented by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll get leading odds, matchup info, player news, and all the game trends. It's your continued source for all of your sports wagering info. Bet Online's got live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way. Bet all your favorite sports and events MLB, MMA, there's a huge UFC event, 280 coming up this weekend, tennis, boxing and even golf. Just head over to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag. You can join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure, though, to use this promo code. It's BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. When the game started last night in Game 2 of the ALCS, there were a lot of talk about a couple of different things, and both would play as factors in the game. The first one would be good for the Yankees. The second one, maybe not so good. The change in the lineup and Aaron Boone, there was a lot made from uh, my friends and former uh, castmates over at Turner. I know in the pregame talking about, you know, whether or not this was some kind of a, a move of a panic button, you know, it, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't in the postseason, people. This is what people don't realize. It's like, you know, picking it. If I said before the, the postseason, right? Predictions, if you go scratch, then you're an ass because anybody could have picked the Astros to go play the Dodgers way back when. Remember when L.A. was a thing, right? 
And if you don't and you pick some crazy team, if you had, let's say, I don't know, the Guardians winning it all, then you're an idiot. All right? So either way, you're screwed. Well, guess what? If you're looking at it from a standpoint of where you are with the playoffs in terms of how you trust your guys, do you know how many times in covering this game 20 years I've heard managers say, I'm sticking with my guys, and then when it doesn't work, you have people get on them and say, well, you, you, you know what? You weren't aggressive enough in adjusting. You weren't basing, right, that word feel that we talked about yesterday and the importance of that, right? Then the other way, if you go on feel and you make a change and you have urgency and you say this is not good enough, it's not working, got to do something different, then it's a panic button. Everything comes down to results. It's a results-oriented game and certainly business and sport and baseball specifically. And Harrison Bader, the way he's hitting, to put him in the leadoff spot was a good move. I don't think there was any question. Had a couple of good at-bats, a hit and a walk yesterday at the front of the lineup. And when you look, even Torres had a couple of good ABs. Top of the lineup looked good until you get to a back Josh Donaldson. And I love J.D., the bringer of rain. He brought a double, but, it, you know, he's brought a lot of rain and no shine in terms of, you know, his performance. Not very good. A lot of strikeouts, including a big one yesterday late in the game, K twice. Uh, so the top of the order, you know, I'd like to change. The other thing is when you see the way Peraza and what a beautiful shortstop this dude plays and how smooth that was and that first chance he got in that first inning, you know, I got no problem with kids playing at the bottom. Remember how many times we have seen young players come into postseasons. I remember now he's being questioned about how things are going to pan out with his contract, but it wasn't that long ago in Boston that Xander Bogarts was getting attention and getting time when nobody thought he was. And another Red Sox at a different time, in a different year I covered with Raphael Devers, who they were looking for third baseman, and all of a sudden he comes up and becomes a big factor. I remember going back to the Mets when they played in 2015 and Conforto had a two-home run game in a World Series when he was a rookie. Kids come up big. Sometimes it's the best way to go. You can go back to the mid-90s with Andrew Jones. There are a lot of different young players who just don't feel the pressure sometimes because, in the words, not stupid, but they're playing with that house money, and they're just embracing that moment. And those two kids in Cabrera, you know, one, can we make it more confusing? You know, uh, one, one with an O, one, one not, uh, both with Oswald. I mean, these are guys who both have a lot of talent, no problem with the bottom of the order. That wasn't a factor that was a negative for the Yankees yesterday, although nobody hit Framber Valdez except himself with his PFPs that didn't go right. The other side with the roof open. Now, I've been down in that park many times. I covered and was there doing pre and post for all the games uh, for leading up to and in the World Series back in 2019, there in 2018. I mean, this it's, team's been there now six years in a row in an LCS. It is very rare to see the roof open. But you cannot, even though, yeah, there's a chance if that wind doesn't blow down, that Kyle Tucker doesn't make that play on Aaron Judge. But you can't be sitting there, and I love Booney. I do. Uh, he's a friend. I know a long time. He won a fantasy league that I run with a lot of people in this business four times and never will ever let me forget it. And that was in like eight years of playing. He's a fantasy stud. If you want some extra Aaron Boone news, uh, some Yankee fans are thinking maybe he should go back to fantasy baseball. I think everybody's getting on anybody who's a Yankee manager, whether it's good or bad, but you don't want to put yourself in a position like you did a week ago with Holmes with the lack of communication. And I, I don't want to hear being fair about the roof. You know, Hey, look, you know, it kind of screwed us. Now you want to say it tongue in cheek and say, Hey, look, if the roof is closed there, that's probably a home run. That's fine. But that's not giving you a happy flight. You're still down. Oh, two going to New York. It's not changing what happened and it's not why you lost the game. Yankees had opportunities in this game yesterday, and they could not muster anything against a Framer Valdez, who I would argue has been, despite all the accolades, despite the top five Cy Young votes that he's going to get in the line of folks who are going to lose to his teammate Verlander, and despite all the quality starts and breaking the record this year, despite leading the league in innings, I would argue to you right now that Framber Valdez is probably still in 2022 the most underrated player in the American League, if not all of Major League Baseball. Nobody paid attention to this guy. And a lot of times what happens is when you've got a JV at the front of your rotation, you look like your JV compared to the varsity that that Hall of Famer is. But this dude not JV to anybody. He ain't shining shoes no more, Billy, to use the Goodfellas quote. This guy was brilliant. Last year had issues in the postseason. Only got out of the third inning, I think, once in the four starts that he made. Uh, Ronnie Darling talking about that last night during the broadcast. But how about Valdez? Nine Ks, no walks. Two runs, neither were earned, four hits over the seven innings, and really both over that one play 
where it should have been an easy turn two, especially with Stanton, who was running, going to first, not able to make the play. Then the throw makes it worse. Two errors, both attributed to him, and away you go. The Yankees had a chance to get back in the game, and they did to cut the lead to three to two. Now, the three runs came on one swing from Alec Bregman yesterday. Bregman is a guy who now 14 home runs, the most of any third baseman of all time. When you do something in the baseball world in a postseason with the plethora of names that have come through and put up big numbers, and you're talking about a position like third base, which is a power position traditionally, and you're talking about home runs in a postseason, you got more than any dudes that have ever done it. That tells you just how amazing the early part of the careers have been for if you want to go core four or however you want to put it, to use the old Yankee term, the guys like Bregman and Altuve who are still there and the guys like Correa, the free agent, who was on the TBS broadcast last night. We'll see whether or not he goes back to Minnesota or not. And a guy in George Springer up in Toronto. And congrats to uh, the uh, manager, John Schneider, who gets uh, that extension three years and well-deserved today. These guys have put up unbelievable numbers. And really, in just a, a matter of five, six years, there's still some of them young players, really. So it's pretty impressive what Bregman has done, but it wasn't really that terrible a pitch. Sevy didn't get it in enough. Severino was terrific yesterday to come back from the injury. I said this on the show yesterday and they mentioned it in the broadcast. This is a guy who you go back to 2017. You're looking at the Cy Young leader at the turn coming into the all-star game. You're looking at a guy who was one of the best young pitchers in the league, battling through injuries, finds his way back, has that no-hit bid down the end of the season where he probably, the way he was throwing and who he was playing against, could have finished it off, goes seven innings. They're careful with him, so he doesn't get that nod. But here we've seen battle the first time in the postseason a week ago. The numbers, they don't look brilliant because you get the three runs and you sit there in five and a third inning, you're out. But a couple of things to, to remember here. Number one, Severino was pitching incredibly well through, what, 82 pitches, and the last one was a single. This was not, you know, something where, he, you know, he gave up kind of that final blow. Booney had decided Aaron Boone had before that inning began. If there's a base runner, Severino's going to get pulled, and Severino came out of the game. I was happy to see that they let him come out for that sixth inning because based on the way that Aaron's been handling things and based on the Yankees and based on Tyler Anderson and based on going back to Blake Snell with Kevin Cash and based on everything else that we see, over the years now, you would think, okay, we're rushing, we're rushing to get to the bullpen. And that is the, one of the hardest things in a postseason, whether it's the old ways with pitch counts or it's the new ways of when you are going to take a guy out and when you're going to put somebody else in. It is what got Clayton Kershaw, and I referenced this two days ago, caught a couple of times with Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly, managing that team, not having a bridge all those years with the Dodgers between Kershaw and Kenley Jansen. The bridge for the Yankees has been the same bridge pretty much all postseason. And how good has Loisic again been? He hasn't given up a run. Another two innings yesterday. Didn't strike anyone out. Only allowed a walk and a hit. Came in again with an inherited runner and did a terrific job. So, you know, the Yankees played a good baseball game. They made a couple of dynamic defensive plays, including the one that we saw late in what that eighth inning, where a brilliant stop by Torres makes the flip. And you know, Peraza able to make the throw on a hop to Rizzo, who's as good as anybody, probably en route to yet another gold glove, was announced yesterday as a Rawlings finalist at first base in the American League. And they played a good baseball game, but they couldn't get the big hits. And what happens is when you're feast or famine, and they've had all the home runs, but they again have had all the strikeouts, remember 17 times, 17 times in game one, they were struck out, only struck out two Astros, biggest discrepancy we've ever seen in a game in the postseason. Well, yesterday they didn't strike out 17 times, but they did strike out 13 times and only walked twice. You're not winning games when that happens. Presley, brilliant at the back end again, strikes out the side. If the Yankees don't find a way to make more contact, and they tried to do that and massage it yesterday, Bader into the top of the order, trying to you know get Peraza and Cabrera at the back of the lineup again. JD's having a lot of struggles right now making contact, especially in the breaking ball Donaldson. But when you sit there and you look at the Royals who did it twice in 2014, 2015, without Mad Bum, they would have won back-to-back -back World Series. Teams have shown over the last decade, you got to have the ability to make contact, especially in this world of the swing and miss. Yankees don't do more of that. Doesn't matter if they play with a roof, without a roof, in Houston, in New York. It's not going to matter. They'll be going home now down 2-0 in the series. He makes her home in part here, also part of the Pac-12 Network and uh, host of our Believe in Softball show as well. Jenna Becerra, kind enough to jump on board and be a part of October Unfiltered. Jenna, appreciate you. How are you? 
I'm good. I'm super excited to be chatting with you. It's, you know, one of the best times of the year right now. So it what is, could be better? It's, it's as good as anything. And I, I saw you tweeted the other day, your postseason baseball hits different. It, you know, it's, it's such a long year. Isn't it amazing? I always marvel over the years, Jenna, how it, it's like the longest thing ever. It takes forever. <laughs> it does. And I, we love it, but it takes forever. And then all of a sudden you're a Dodger fan and wait, what do you mean we're going home? Right. You're a Braves fan. What do you mean we're going? It, it happens so fast. Yankees with the rainouts, no day off. All of a sudden, two days in, they're now flying home and they're two losses away from being out of here. How about just how quickly that tide turns in a postseason? I mean, it does. It hits different. Like that's that's all I could think of to say at the time. And you're absolutely right, because it's true. I think it's a different season on its own. The season itself is obviously very long, like you said, but for postseason, it just feels like it's its own season. And if you you have to be kind of working on your mental game throughout the entire season to be able to make those kinds of adjustments in the postseason, in my opinion, because it is tough. You know, you're you're traveling. You're also having to just like mentally make adjustments. And that's even not just between games, but between at bats, pitch to pitch, like you're having to do all of those things at once. And it can be kind of overwhelming, but I think you have to just remember what it is that got you there in the first place and then try to make adjustments from there, but don't freak out. <laughs> you know, it's easy to kind of freak out if things aren't going well and to try to change everything. But I think just one thing at a time and staying grounded and remembering, you know, your roots at the end yeah, of the you day. Know, I, I was talking about that yet, you know, earlier, Jenna. It's like, you know, everybody got an Aaron Boo for changing his lineup. And it's like, if it's not working, you have to do something. And you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because a lot of times when guys say, I trust my guys, and I've heard it over the years, and that's great. And that's how you instill confidence. In a long season, that's important. It's surely it's important during a postseason. But you don't have time to be nice and make friends. If you're a manager, you've got to make those difficult decisions. What, what was your thought on changing a lineup after one game? Obviously, look, it didn't work. The two runs that they got came off of Valdez's defensive mistakes. But to have Bader at the top of the lineup and try and have some guys on base so that if that judge swing goes like three, four inches higher and Kyle Tucker doesn't get it, it means more. I was good with that. Where were you on that yesterday? I'm okay with it, too. And I think the reason is because the same way we're talking about, okay, players have to make adjustments. You have to do this. You have to do that. So do coaches. They're also seeing a lot more than what we're seeing. Like they're seeing all the warmups. They're seeing any practices, all of that stuff. So they can see how, how their rhythm is like some of the intangibles as well, that maybe we don't get to see as much as the coaches do, but I think you have to go with who's hot. Like this is it. This is postseason. We're not leaving anything in the tank for something else. You know, it's like you have to compete right now. So I think you have to make those adjustments. But again, it's like that balance of not freaking out and totally de doing a 180 departure from what got you there in the first place. But I think you do have to make adjustments. And like that is one of the arts and one of the hardest parts of coaching is trying to figure out that balance and also how to to kind of manage the people in the process because you don't want to get in their heads, but also the great ones know how to make those adjustments. So it's such a tricky thing to have to do. Yeah, I, I always say this, and it, it, your managers are like field goal kickers. You know, nobody cares until they make a mistake. And then when they make yeah. a mistake, that's all you notice. But it all comes down to results. And I got to ask you before, now, is that a, that's not a St. Louis Cardinal. It's a Stanford Cardinal. That is, is that a Cardinal? I'm not, I'm not, birds are, I'm not good with birds. Now I know Stanford. So give, give me the lowdown on the bird behind me. What do we got? Well, okay. So this, I'm, it's unclear. I'm currently staying uh, at a friend's place. I think okay. they're, they you might just be, found a spot that looked like it had a Stanford Cardinal perhaps. Behind? Yeah, they might be, might be parrots. I'm unsure, but okay, the Car Stanford Cardinal is just the Cardinal color. So it's not a bird. Oh, um, oh is that accurate? I didn't even know that. Yes. So that's why I, didn't realize seen, that. I know. So that's why if you've seen um, like the tree, Stanford tree being the band's mascots, cause we don't okay. really have have one otherwise so this, this is something yeah. i feel like i'm in like the the jenna becerra fortune cookie i didn't really i didn't even know that <laughs> i just figured you must have, now who is who now growing up who is your baseball team like who's the team do you have a live and die like who is it who's your right yeah i'm an angels fan oh geez i am yeah it's oh, been tough oh, sorry about that <laughs> It's sorry, been sorry, sorry about that. It's been more than tough. They, they they apparently forget about managers not knowing that they don't have pitching. I, I don't think the Angels have understood that they don't have pitching. And it, it makes me want to bring this up. And this comes in. You could jump in the chat live at any time. But Robert says, you know, I think managers need to believe in dealing starters more in this in the past few postseasons. I don't understand it. Yesterday's wasn't as bad because he went back with Severino in the sixth inning, which I was happy to see. 
And Loizaga ended up doing his job. So obviously, because it works out, it looks fine. But, you know, I, I know Dusty well. Dusty's an old school guy. There was no way he was taking Framber Valdez out. I mean, he let him go. Seeing 100 pitches next to a pitcher. How crazy is this? It seems like there's like, it must be like a, a glitch in the matrix. Like, how is it possible, Jenna, we're seeing 100 pitches? How, how are you sitting there? Now, I know, obviously, and it's not, first of all, let me say, for having lived there, Anaheim Angels should still be. That's not Los Angeles. That five freeway you sit on there, please. Preaching to the choir. You okay. are preaching to the choir okay. there. So yes. the, I know you're not a Dodger girl, but I the Dodgers, they get Tyler Anderson, 86 pitches, and I love Dave Roberts, takes him out. Anderson's like, I could go five more innings. We see all these guys come out early. Blake Snell many years ago. What's your take on, on the analytics part of it getting in the way of the feel of a manager with pitching? Mm, that's a good question because I think that's an overall question too. Like just analytics in general in the game versus feel. And like anything else, I do think it's a balance. There's so much more information now than there ever was before. So I do think you, you have to pay attention to that. Like you can't just ignore that and just go by feel, even though that's what maybe we've done historically in these bat and ball sports, but it's hard. It's hard. I think you have to do that, but you also have to kind of see like, what have they done for me lately? Because a lot of the data and whether it's like kind of typical stats, other data that you're seeing, it's a, it's a combination of everything. Right. And it's sort of the averages of what you see often. So, but what does that mean recently? Like, what have you done for me lately? You have to pay attention to those things. And I do think the mental part of it's a lot. And as, as a manager or somebody who's making these decisions, you do have to kind of keep in touch and understand where their heads are at at the time as well, because that those are some of those intangibles that like you're not going to see come up in the numbers. Yeah, to your point, I think, for example, Josh Donaldson, I was referencing this before. Look, he, he's had a great career, but you're not pitching to him right now like you did when he was in a Jays uniform. I mean, you're just not. Yeah. I mean, you know that you can get him with breaking balls away and he's flailing away seemingly every AB at them because he's he's gripping the bat too tight. We're never used to seeing Jose Altuve do that. And I always love Altuve for a number of reasons, including the fact that he's one of only two guys literally in my 20 years that I've ever on the field done an interview and seen eye to eye. And he may actually be a little bit shorter than me. Uh, and that's him and David Eckstein, who was on the other Cardinals in St. Louis when he got the MVP in the World Series. But to see Altuve struggle is so odd. Going back to what we talked about with you know managers making changes, I would be shocked if he's anywhere but in the leadoff spot. This is an outlier. You can't, and Dusty's not going to. I mean, this is, we're talking about one of the better postseason players of our lifetime, really, or anybody's. How shocked would you be if they do anything but just roll him right back out there in the leadoff spot in game three? I would think they would keep him. And the reason, like, yes, the Yankees are making changes, but that's because they're not winning, <laughs> right? Whereas with the Astros, it's like, we're undefeated in the postseason here. We're just going to keep going because apparently it works, even if someone's struggling. And this is probably one of those examples where it's like, well, you don't want to freak out too much. Like you, you don't need to make massive changes, especially if you're still winning ball games. So just let him, let him go, you know, and that's somebody that, you know, can show up in the postseason, like you said. And if anything, when you're Owen 23, like that, when you're somebody like Altuve, it's like, you're due, right? Like you're, you're due. Something's going to happen. Even just numbers wise, you're like, it's gonna, it's gonna change. At eventually. Some point. Right. Yeah. Eventually. And yeah. even if it's just, you know, right. Like, it, like I always say, and, and players say this, but it really is true. Like he could, he could, you know, bounce one just in front of the plate that they wait to go foul and it doesn't. And he's on first and something like that may break, yeah. may break it open for him because yeah. he's so close. But how about the fact that the Astros are sitting there? So they're hitting 229. They have, it's only been four. Look, it's four games. It's like, even though we're both saying you and I both already, they're undefeated in the postseason. It's not like they're sure. doing it for three weeks. Right. But the Yankees are hitting 170 and the, these two teams both aren't hitting. Part of the reason, can we say, hi, Verlander, Severino. Like, we're talking about the bullpens. Presley was unhittable with the stuff he's spinning. You're not coming into a postseason as a team hitting 400 in October. I of can't course. believe how many people are surprised that anyone is not. You, that's why those hits have to matter. Sometimes it's not the amount of them that you're going to get in a game. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. It's like these, these are the best teams. That's why they're, they're here at this point. So what That's would make you think That's the rumor. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like, so what would make you think that it would be just so easy for, for opponents to be able to, to come in and do that? No, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's, 
the the bullpen that the Astros have, you know, having those options has been fantastic. And even like you said, sometimes it could be a hit. Sometimes it's just when when's the other team going to make a mistake? Like luckily Valdez got out of it right yesterday, but like him making that mistake and then the Yankees do score two and come back into the game. It held for the rest of the time, but like those types of things. But that's the thing is you have to put the ball in play to make that happen. And because the Yankees are swinging and missing a lot. And I think, what was it? 16 curveballs that Valdez threw. That was just a swing and a miss. I mean, it was dirty. Right. So I think to that end too, maybe it's like, let's just shorten up a little bit and simplify at that point, but you never know. Like it, you just have to make something happen um, to, to get things going. And it could be the smallest thing. You know, you mentioned the curveball and Jenna Becerra joining us, host of Believe in Softball with us on the Believe Network. You know, it's interesting because, you know, one of the things that I thought of watching that with Valdez and as of now, the Astros have not named their game three starter. It'll be Garrett Cole. And by the way, that's going to be fascinating to watch Yeah. Um, against the Astros. Right. After the last time I mentioned this yesterday, last time I saw you know, Garrett Cole, it'll be Yankee State, but was in Houston was the Nationals one on the road. And he was already gone from an Astro to a Scott Boris client like 10 minutes after because he wanted to leave because they didn't believe in him. B.L.E.A.V., of course, uh, to have him in that game late. But Lance McCullers, who I, I think they're going to try and drop the hammer, go up 3-0, probably starts game three, I think, and then move Javier to game four. McCullers is a guy who has given this team fits at one point in a postseason going back a few years ago when the Yankees had a 3-2 lead and lost to the Astros through 27 curveballs in a row in the middle of the game. That's his, that's his bread and butter. I mean, he's got as good a breaking ball as anybody. How much is a hit, does that come down to, in your opinion, the pitching staff knowing, Jenna, that the Yankees are, are trying too hard and fighting it because they're not getting hits and using that impatience against them with the breaking ball? I think you exploit any weakness that you see in your opponent. So, yes, of course. Like, if, if, if you're on the mound knowing what you know at this point, you're just looking to carve them up, right? And, like, painting the corners. Like, that's what was so beautiful to watch yesterday, too, even after Valdez was even taken out and even when the relievers came in, it was just, like, the precision I think that you have, and it's like painting the corners. It really is an art in that way. So yeah, exploit it. And, and until they make an adjustment, keep doing it. You know, like I'm, I'm, I've, you know, 27 curveballs in a row is, is, is a lot, but like even in softball, for example, I'm like, throw another change up. If they look silly, do it until oh, yeah. they prove that they can hit oh, yeah. it. Right. Like oh, keep yeah. doing it. Exploit Jenna, the, it until the worst thing at this level. And this is why catchers, people don't understand how important a Martin Maldonado is and pitch sequencing is because yes. the amount of times that I see guys who can't hit a fastball. And then after swinging and missing a two fastballs, somebody will throw slow down their bat and, and throw them a slider and give them a chance to, to hit something is I, I don't honestly, I sit there now I can't hit anything. Right. Yeah. So, I, but, but, but I understand it and talking to hitters, you're, you're putting me in the at bat. I have no chance against you. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious to see, it'll be interesting to watch in game three. Uh, let, let me close on this and hopefully we can have you back on next week, but I want to, want to ask you, how do you see these two series playing out? I know you got a little head start. You got two Oh with the Astros already. We're one, one with a game three coming up tonight on the other side, who are your world series picks? I mean, as of right now, now, you never know, obviously. Crazy things have happened, right? And I'm a big believer in you can't kind of play the name game. Like, just because something's going well doesn't mean it will keep going well, right? But right now, the way just that... Just ask the playing, Dodgers, the Braves, or the Mets. Exactly. Like, you can't play the name game either way, too. It can't be like, oh, we think we can run over these people, or we're too intimidated because they're doing so well. Like, right. either side of it, right. you can never do. But I do think, based on on the way things are going right now, it looks like it, it will be the Astros, you know? Like, I mean... They're the ones that are in this rhythm. And I do think there's almost this like, it's hard to put into words, like an unspoken sort of intangible thing that if you have it in the postseason, you have it. Mm -hmm. And they seem to have at least some of it, or it's at least seems like it could be building up to having that sort of magic in the postseason that we all love every October to witness. So I do, I do see that playing out. I have to say, especially like it was his game was fun to watch. I like just, I mean, oh, all it was the good baseball. There were good defensive plays in this game yesterday, except for the, the Framber you know, mistake, which helped put him in it. Uh, right. How about Phillies Padres? You know, it, it, again, it's like, it's, I feel silly because it's like, oh, well, it could either way, it could happen. Right. But I would say similarly, just because the Padres have been able to make these upsets, like beating the Mets and beating the Dodgers, doing these things that we didn't think that they would do. Maybe they have some of that magic with them right now too. So, and I, I know that there's a couple 
professional softball players I've had on my show who are, are big Padres fans like Sasha Palacios, um, Team Mexico catcher, who would appreciate me saying that. So I'll give that one to her as well. It's okay. Sometimes cheap pops, as they say in, in wrestling, those are okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, no enjoy the, the parrots in the background. You taught me something about the, I had no idea about the car. I mean, what the hell can you tell them from New York? I mean, what, you know, I, I, I watched Stanford play. Okay. Now I understand the color. Uh, yep. I appreciate you. We'll, we'll have you back on next week. Thanks Jenna for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was great. <laughs> Pleasure. Jenna Becerra joining us here on the believe show October unfiltered. She of course, part of our network host of believe in softball. We'll have Brady Farkas who hosts believe in Mariners up here in a couple my buddy, Sweeney Murdy, WFN radio and S will join me here in a couple of minutes as well. As we continue on this show, don't forget we are live across all platforms on uh, Twitter. You can get us on believe uh, the YouTube channel and mine, which you could find in my bio. Of course, the big game three is coming up tonight, Philadelphia and what an atmosphere that's going to be at citizens bank ballpark for Ranger Suarez. Who's another one not as underrated or as good as necessarily Framber Valdez, but terrifically underrated pitcher. Already has pitched a game one in this postseason, not going to be afraid. He'll have quite a crowd atmosphere at his back, which should be fun to watch. And on the other side, and I said this yesterday, if we haven't already learned this about Joe Musgrove, and I know the story the last time he pitched in San Diego last week, and he got a chance, the hometown boy, to welcome the postseason back and all of that. But here's a guy who on the road has already shown brilliance, not afraid of the New York crowd, not afraid of the ear checks, not going to be afraid as he heads into Philadelphia. Uh, for Ranger Suarez with the start in game three, a guy who uh, may be afraid of the next few minutes because he has to remember the 18 inning game and we'll find out what the heck he was doing. Uh, I remember some of those uh, long days and, and triple headers. I remember being sitting there at the beginning of a double header at Turner and it was the game that the, the Cardinals scored. I think it was 10 on the Braves in the first inning. And I knew like there was like so many hours left. At least I, I knew kind of sitting there, there was going to be a spread. I didn't root for either team 18 innings and then waiting for the Pena home run. What was that like? For Brady yeah, Fox that was this year. That was tough. <laughs> what was that, like? that was tough. Oh, um, man, you know, it was. I'm not going to say it was inevitable that they were going to lose. You just knew that the game was going to end on one big swing of the bat. The pitching was so good, and the moments were so tense. There, there was no way that there was going to be four singles strung together in that game. So I was just waiting for the big hit, and I hoped that the Mariners got it. Obviously, they didn't, but. Uh, Look, I actually went home for the day. I was hanging out with my parents, so I got to watch it with them, and they got to hear me complain about the Mariners like they've heard me complain about the Mariners for the last 20 years. So it, uh, it, it was a perfect way to end the season. As a Met guy, I, I feel your pain. Numb to it is the way I say it. We're, we're just people like us. We're just numb to it at this point. I, I want to take you back to, and I want to get into this Astros Yankees series and 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 have your help to break it down. But I want to ask you, and let's go back for at least a couple of minutes here. The layoffs, I said before the postseason, look, you know, this isn't complaining about the new format. This is just reality. Layoffs have always been a bugaboo in the postseason for years. And this series didn't feel that, but it could have. Because game one, the Mariners had that advantage. Game one, the Astros' bats were slow to kind of get to the uptick. And then Jordan Alvarez hits that 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 homer that changes everything. You know, I don't want to go back and now be boony. What if the roof was closed? But... How long are you going to think, man, what would have happened if we get one or two more pitches the other direction and Alvarez doesn't hit that homer and that ride continues off of that first round with a game one win in that series? I mean, I think we're going to be thinking about it all off season. I think we're going to think about it into next year. And, you know, I think the, the the logical thought is that the Mariners are just going to get better because they have a young core, but we know that nothing is guaranteed, right? Like the White Sox were supposed to be a team that got better with a young core and then ended up missing the playoffs entirely this year. So if next year this turns out to be the stepping stone on a, a long line of Mariner success, at the end of the day, it's not that big a deal. If this turns out to be a one-off and they're not able to replicate it, then I'm going to be thinking about it forever because this will have ended up being their only chance. Um, I, I give the Mariners a lot of credit in a, in a lot of different ways. I think they came out in that game, one of the ALDS, and I think they were the aggressor. And I think they did everything you could want to do. They ultimately didn't close the deal, but they did not look overwhelmed by the moment. They did not look overwhelmed by Justin Verlander. And I give them a lot of credit to their character in that it would have been very easy for them to lie down in games two and three. After what happened to you in game one, I could have very easily seen any team getting beat 8 nothing in 12-1 following that up, and they didn't. They had a chance, very realistic one, to win game two, and they had a chance to win game three. 
And the Astros are better. The Astros are the better team. They are the deeper team. They were the more rested team, the more healthy team. So they do deserve to be in this spot. But yeah, a, a, a couple of breaks one way. And we're talking about a Mariners series right now. And ultimately, I'm proud of them, happy for them, but it still stinks. It's pretty It's pretty remarkable what the Astros have done. You know, six consecutive years in an LCS. And look, everybody gets on with the garbage cans. And, and I'm not discounting what happened. But, you know, I, I said this the other day. The job Dusty has done to come in and kind of buffer that because he's as respected a guy as anybody. And, you know, try and show that, that hey, look, you know, we're trying to move forward. That's easier said than done. They got away those players did with not having to deal after during the pandemic with live crowds. They had you know cardboard cutouts, and it was a lot easier than it would have been for them coming around in full parks. But as much as you can't stand saying it, what's kind of the RESPCT level for the fact that that organization as a whole has with so many of the same players been able to plug the Peñas in, been able to plug the Tuckers in, been able to plug the McCormicks in and stay right there, Brady, at the top of that division in the top of the American League. You know, it's amazing because this isn't football, right? Like we can look at the Patriots over 20 years and say, well, hey, they had to, it's impressive, but they had Tom Brady and the quarterback matters the most. The Astros have done this with really just a bunch of interchangeable parts. There have been the consistence, Altuve and Bregman, etc., but this team has let George Springer go, has let Carlos Correa go, let Dallas Keuchel go at the beginning of this run. And other people that were integral at the beginning, Brian McCann and Ken Giles and Marwin Gonzalez and all these guys that were there at the beginning that aren't there now, the team is still here. Organizationally, you have to give them a ton, a ton of credit. They, they draft well, they develop well, they plug and play well. They they turn guys like Rafael Montero, who had a seven seven ERA with my Mariners, yeah, into former, yeah, a two, yeah, by the way. Yeah. Into an eighth inning high leverage guy. And I know we got, you know, a little dicey there in game one, but turn him into a, a high leverage eighth inning guy. They do seem to have the systems in place. And, you know, their minor league system is really good. I mean, they let Zach Granke go. And I know Granke wasn't the same at the end last year, but you know, Garrett Cole's gone and Granke's gone, and here they are just rolling out pitcher after pitcher that uh, ends Garcia, up just being able to show. I mean, I don't want to bring him up, but Luis Garcia, I mean, even that performance is six in it. I mean, it's, it's the depth of their pitching is crazy. Like it really is absurd. I said this, and I'm curious you're taking this. I said this in the, the outset of the show, even though Framber Valdez led the league in innings, even though he had all the quality starts, even though he's probably going to get a lot of top five Cy Young votes and lose, you know, with a lot of other guys to Verlander because Verlander's at the front, and because I think you know people don't like Houston because of what happened, I don't know if there's a more underrated player in the American League in 2022 than him. I don't think people Ooh. realize how great this dude is. And because I'm sitting there yesterday following Twitter, Brady, it, you know how it is. You know, people watch their own team, and then they get in the postseason, they watch everything. And it was like Valdez like just showed up on the doorstep yesterday. This dude is an ace on a lot of baseball teams, which the with the way that he pitches, pretty impressive the what he did last night. It's impressive what he did last night. It's impressive what he's done all season. The thing that frustrates and I think confounds people is that, like, you know he's throwing the curveball and you still can't hit it. Like, he does have a 95-mile-an-hour sinker in his back pocket. And we saw him, I think, up to 98 yesterday at some point. I remember, you know, I was watching the game, but you see Pitching Ninja, and he's got the little gas can next to the tweets. I think I saw him 97-98, and he's got that. But he's just like this curveball, you know, it's coming and you can't lay off of it. I can't tell you how many times, and he did it to the Mariners all season. Like, here comes the curveball at someone's back foot, it bounces, and you're swinging anyways. And kind of like what we saw Presley do to Carpenter at the end of the game last night, that's Valdez from the left side. And like, in your mind, you're like, you know what's coming. How can you not hit it? It feels like it should be easier to hit him, and it's just not. It's not. And one of the reasons is because he's able to – and he got behind early a couple of times yesterday, but he's able so well, Brady, to spot that fastball. All you have to do is show it. That if they know that you can throw the yeah. fastball and they see it, then it is just impossible for them to sit on that curveball because they just don't know. He And, again, the mechanics and the arm angle as well, a huge part of that. Uh, I appreciate you hopping on board, man. Hopefully, can I get you back on next week to talk as we uh, continue throughout this thing? Are you with me on that? 100%. Good? Let's do it. I appreciate you, bro. Thank you so much for doing this, Brady. Have a good one. Absolutely. Okay? Casey, thank you.
Thank you. There's Brady Farkas for joining us. Believe in Mariners host as we continue here on October Unfiltered. Uh, a lot of people uh, found it hard to believe that the roof yesterday was open. Uh, I've been down in that park many times for postseason games. It is very rare to see. And, uh, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, necessarily Booney and the players should be referencing it. Does it mean a lot? We're not sure. Let's find out. There's a roof over our next guest head. I know that. Uh, the Nittany Lion himself. Our guy Sweeney Murdy joining me. Uh, Sweeney, I wanna, let, let me start with that. And I appreciate you doing this. Let me start with that. You know, it, it's okay tongue in cheek to be because it's true. Hey, look, if, if the wind didn't blow in, that homer, you know, maybe Tucker doesn't catch that ball. But you have any problem with it being brought up after the game and, and the way now people kind of choose to look at it as if it's being used as some excuse that, hey, the roof should have been closed? I think people are didn't listen to the question that was asked, too, because the way he answered the question was in direct response to how the question was phrased. He didn't sit down and before anybody asked the question, say, hey, everybody, you know, we lost because the roof was closed. Like, that's not how he did it. Um, I mean – the question was phrased about Aaron judge's home, Aaron judge's ball, which missed being a home run by a couple of inches. And the fact that the outfielders had been talking for innings about the wind blowing in. So, okay. That's the difference in the game case. You know, that, that ball going out, not going out is the difference in the game. So you get asked about it. I think part of the problem is also is that you know, we dissect everything so much and we have to be outraged about everything. The team lost. Whatever answers they were going to give after they lost, we're going to get blown away, right? I mean, you know, they. It was disappointing to see them lose. Uh, if if you're you know a Yankees fan um, or following the Yankees, and there are no right answers, and the players are frustrated. You know, Luis Severino's frustrated. The guy pitched a tremendous game. Oh, he's terrific. Yes, sir. made one. You know, he made a couple of mistakes. One that he got away with, I thought there was a, there was a uh, a slider that he threw to Alvarez that should have been mashed, and it was fouled straight back. Uh, and then he ended up striking him out. But earlier, you know, the pitch to Bregman maybe didn't get in far enough, didn't get up far enough, and he hit a three-run homer. You know, so he's frustrated. So. Five minutes after the game ends, Luis Severino's energy is still coming down and you're, you know, he's going to say something maybe people don't agree with. I don't, either side, I don't want to read too much into that particular element of what they said after the game speaks for itself. You know, the, the Astros have gotten, I know, I know I'm changing gears on you, but I just wanted to point That's this out. That's all right. Out. No, go ahead. Go. Um, the Yankees are taking a lot of grief because they've struck out a lot and it feels like it's about their approach and how they score runs. The Astros are not scoring runs and beating them because they're following some different blueprint. No, Bregman hit a homer. With two strikes. Yes. And two outs. You know, he hit a three-run homer. I don't know if you know this about me, Case. I say this all the time. Three-run homers win ball games. Yeah, oh, sure. Right? That's they why you're do. trying to get guys on base and change your order to get Judge in the right spot, right? And that's a huge point because Alex Cora mentioned this. I had him on my podcast, uh, BXB, which I host with Keith McPherson, this morning. He said they've walked four guys. They struck out 30, but they've only walked four. You know, that that's kind of the Yankees' plan is to get guys on base, take pitches, and then capitalize on those mistakes. Those 30 strikeouts could still be 30 strikeouts, but if they had, I don't know, seven walks or eight walks instead of four, you might be singing a different tune. I, I think when you look at and I want to follow on that. I, I, you know, love them, but I disagreed with, and I happen to be watching it, my, I don't know if you saw it, my former uh, teammates and friends over on the set of TBS were saying, that perhaps in the pregame, maybe it was a bit of a panic button by Booney to change the lineup that way. I, I didn't see it that way at all. Um, I, I thought, to me, you have to go on feel at some point. Everybody's you know complaining all yeah. the time, not just about Booney, but everybody, right? Why are we yeah. trusting our guys? Why aren't we changing it up? Now you change it up, now you're panicking. So you're screwed Absolutely. either way, regardless of whatever you do. I thought Bader had good ABs. I thought it's the right way to go in their lineup. I thought it was, you saw right off the bat how good Peraza made as he smoothed at shortstop and how that worked out. To me, I'm putting the same lineup back out there. Uh, you know, obviously, if, if you're looking lefties right against a lefty, what was your take on the lineup situation yesterday? I thought it played out okay, even though they didn't win the game. Yeah, I mean, he explained Bader because of the left-hander, I get it, but like, yeah. I would still, I, I would really rather see Judge up there at this point. Um, leading at off. one, it, you would. At okay. one. 
I think, you know, part of the thing in game two, you remember like the Yankees went one, two, three in the ninth inning, but if they had gotten a man on the tying run at the top, That's newer, right. it was over Torres and it wasn't judge. Um, so it's more a product of what this lineup is right now. It's very top heavy. Okay. And the farther I push judge down the lineup, the fewer guys I have that the other, you know, that the other team is scared of. Uh, the fewer guys I have to protect him. So if I'm putting him down at three, I've really only got one guy to protect him. Okay. And he's got to be hitting. Like I would rather have judge Rizzo Stanton up top. And, you know, then I can put Torres in there. Um, Bader Donaldson, you know, problem is there aren't enough, you know, they've taken so many hits here. The lineup is top heavy. There aren't any really any places to go. You're, you know, you're playing cards and you're staring at the same five cards and you shuffle them up. It's it's the same five cards. OK, it's hard to do something with until Judge and Stanton start doing what they're what they do. It's really hard to make anything different. You know, you know very well, Case, that the team that takes the lead gets to dictate how the sure. game is played. And how their bullpen is used as well, which is key. Bingo. And if you don't have the lead, you can't do that. The Astros have had the lead and been able to do that. The Yankees haven't been able to since game five against Cleveland. I don't want to put Dan uh, Sweeney Murdy joining us. I don't want to put too much on, on Josh Donaldson, you know, as because look, the whole lineup has had their issues. Uh-huh. I know he doubled in the first at bat yesterday, but I'm watching his ABs and I know the defense is good at third. To your point, the options there aren't that many. You know, do you play, you know, IKF in there? And get, do you see a situation where you know, against the, uh, you know, McCullers, who I know they haven't announced for game three. I would figure you would see, especially with the breaking ball issues the Yankees had yesterday. Do you, does Donaldson sit a game just just because of how much trouble he's having hitting the breaking ball specifically? It seems to be a bugaboo, obviously, for him right now. Yeah, I think the, the Yankees are just in a weird spot, because if you let me go back of, you know. Yeah, of course. About a month, you know, the last month or two. Um Donaldson has not really gotten hot all year. He had a couple of little short spurts, never really found it. I mean, it looks like at 36, like that's caught up to him. Right. And you're waiting for that. Like, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't need, you don't have a long season anymore. You're waiting for this can in three games somewhere. Can he be that guy? Right. Uh, Glaber Torres is different. Glaber Torres is 25. And you're saying what happened to him in the, you know, after the all-star break, it's still in and, there. And then it clicked in again. Okay? Yeah. But the, but what you saw when both players were struggling at a, at the same point in, I will say, late August, early September, you're saying, okay, if I get DJ LeMahieu back healthy and going, when I get to the playoffs, which one of those guys is sitting? Because, you know, Stanton's going to DH, which means you've got to sit between LeMahieu, Torres, and Donaldson. You've got to sit somebody, right? Well, DJ is not healthy. So you don't have another place to go. You're playing Torres, you're playing Donaldson. Um, to your other point, like you could do, you could put Isaiah Connor Falefa in there, you could put Oswaldo Cabrera there, and then that forces you to put Stanton in the outfield or Carpenter in the outfield or something like that. I mean, that felt that feels more like panic move. Uh Donaldson's defense um has has helped keep him in there throughout all these struggles. The Yankees are a better defensive team than they were a year ago, and and that's part of it. They're losing right now because they can't hit, and of that's course, hard, yeah. You know? His abs just don't. I mean, I'm sure he, it's. It, look, he's a great player. He's been. He's old, right? He's been a great player a long time. That's the big thing. And Julio yeah. looked old for a lot of this season. Oh, that's during- okay. Yeah, of course. But to your but point, now, you you knew it was back in there, and with Donaldson, you just kind of feeling like it's just it's just not, and that's which right. look, Father Time, it is what it is. Uh, Valdez, yes. they have another option right now because LeMahieu is the option. LeMahieu is the guy that makes you choose do I play this guy or that guy? And they don't have him. Yeah. Well, you mentioned let's go to the Carpenter thing because, you know, obviously, and it's it, what a great story that was. It's a tough mm-hmm. spot for him because he battled his you know, tail off to get back in. But now look at the spots he's in, the way Presley is throwing. I mean, I don't care left handed or right handed. People act like, oh, Carpenter's lefty. He can hit no one hitting Presley. If he throws the way he threw the last couple of days, you're going to have a very hard time hitting him unless it's a mistake. Because yeah. even bo- even behind in the count two zero, he's he's spinning it so wonderfully it's just that's the way it is i mean that's baseball that way but 
I remember a few years ago, I think it was 27 curveballs in a row from McCullers during that game, right? I, right, I believe. During that series, the Yankees were up 3-2, and McCullers and Morton, I think, went back-to-back in that game or whatever it was in Game 7, if I remember correctly, in that order. Um, I expect he gets Game 3. Is this a situation where, to your point, Carpenter gets gets the start at DH and Stanton back in the outfield. I know Giancarlo in the pregame, so he was on, you know, he, he I guess, had told, I think it was Lauren Shotty that you know, he thought he might get back in there or had some kind of impetus to believe that he could be back in the outfield at some point at Yankee Stadium. Is that the spot with McCullers to, to get that matchup with Carpenter, a guy who's seen him a ton uh, and 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 left-handed to, to try and maybe get lightning in a bottle there? I... I, I think it's hard to do because at at Minute Maid Park, left field is a short field, and they can play him there, keep Judge and right, Bader in center. Yankee Stadium, the only place you're going to play him is the short field and right field. Sure. Now, yeah, right field. now then you're going to force Judge over and Bader over. I don't like that alignment. I don't think that that's the best way to go. So I think Stanton at DH is probably still your best bet. I really, you know, Carpenter to me, uh, I know it's about reps and that he hasn't had them, but I still think even if he's had them, I think it's a lot to expect, you know, he was Roy Hobbs for about a month. Right. Um, And I, to me, his best value because the order is so top heavy when you're talking about whether it's Trevino or Higashioka or whether it was going to be Peraza or IKF or whoever's you know playing, you've got the ability to go for it. One shot, right? Carpenter off the bench. The Astros don't have lefty relievers. So your spot is going to be late in the game hitting for one of those guys where you think one swing can change it. And I get that it's hard and unfair when that team has the best pitching staff and he hasn't had a lot of at-bats, but I don't think that changes if you give him four more at-bats against these guys, you know? I think he's and and Carpenter will tell you that he's not making any excuses. He you know he keeps his head in the game and plays the game and watches the game until his turn comes and he takes a shot. I really think you know Raúl Labanez ten years ago came off the bench in a big spot and hit home runs, especially at Yankee Just Stadium. Just ask Jim Johnson. Yes, especially <laughs> at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. I'm keeping him on the bench till I've got that one perfect spot. That because that opportunity, yeah. even if he gets four bats, he's not hitting four home runs, right? right? I'm getting That's one. Right. I'm getting. It's amazing how he's back. turned into that. By the way, isn't it amazing? Like he here's a leadoff hitter at the beginning of his career for years successfully in a World Series, and now he's the big bopping left-handed hitter off the bench. I mean, it's amazing. I need I need one good, perfect align uh, matchup for him. That's the way I would like to see him used. I want to throw one more uh, at you if I can, and I'll let you run, and I appreciate you. And I'm going to bring this uh, one in. It comes in uh, through the chat because it's just a, it's it's an opinion question. But David says, does the cloud of cheating over the Astros 2017 championship go away if they win this year? How much do you feel that still tangibly around the game? You know, they, they I mentioned this earlier in the show. You know, they look, they got away with a lot in terms of, you know, the immunity, not having to face live crowds because of the pandemic and all of that. Is that still a tangible, forget from the fan and the bleachers, but outside of that, yeah. are you feeling any of that still, or is that kind of blown over a bit already? How much are you feeling that still? I think, I think five years is kind of a long time. Sometimes I think, you, you know, I mean, listen, you're going to, you know, the, uh, Jose Altuve steps up the Yankee stadium first. At oh, Madden. sure. Oh, sure. You know, he's hearing the same with Alex Bregman. And, you know, they had, um, who was it? Somebody stepped in. Oh, Carlos Correa when the Twins were here um, early September. Uh, Correa steps in. He gets booed. You know, that's the fans here are not going to forget all that soon. And, you know, they just need, you know, they don't need much of a reason. That's, you know, it's built in. Okay, throw it right there. I'm not hearing it as much from people around the game. Me neither. Me neither. There are fewer people. There's only a handful of people from that team still on this team. Um, and no know, AJ Hinch. You got Dusty, which yeah, buffers Springer a lot of that. That's when, right. When he comes in, you know, Correa gets the treatment when he comes in. Those guys are all a little more spread out now. But around the game, like, it's not that they've forgiven or condoned it. I just think, you know, we've kind of, like, Okay, we've spent, we spent as much energy on it as That's we right. possibly can. That's right. I, 
Let's do something else. And they're also here more because of the pitching right now, and the pitching is dealing, and that's not your know, Framber Valdez and Justin Verlander. I mean, look, the Astros are a really good team. They're going to be difficult. Uh, on the way out here, Garrett Cole has done everything he possibly could do and shouldn't get any more crap, and that's the facts. However, if he doesn't pitch well in game three, dot, 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 right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's, you know, listen, he's he's pitched very well. They're in this position. You're in this position because Garrett Cole pitched really well in in That's the right. last series. That's right. You're only going to get to where you want to be if Garrett Cole continues to pitch well. And I'm not laying it all at his feet, but, you know. You, he got to win three and seven. I mean, you're yeah. probably in a seven-game series down 2-0. He's got to win both games. That's Correct. it, right? Yep, absolutely. And seven would be on short rest because you don't have any more off days in the series. So, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, he's going to be judged by whatever his last game is. Um, and I, I think that, you know, because that wild card game last year against the Red Sox was still hanging over him, even, you know, regardless of anything else. So, um, he, I don't think he has to prove anything, but they're only going to continue if he delivers again Um, you know that's just that's just the reality of who he is and the spot he's in sweeney appreciate you thanks so much and you're busy i appreciate you fitting me in uh stay in touch and uh much love my friend thanks all all the best case be well all right you too buddy there he is sweeney murdy joining us wfan radio and SMY. we appreciate him uh you know garrett cole is in a spot where he has answered all the bells right he's done everything that you could possibly do and it comes down to now having to do it again. Something to watch for, because we won't be on here tomorrow. Starting Monday, we'll be here throughout the course of uh, the postseason and the World Series, including on the weekends. So we'll be back here Monday at noon. Uh, Mike Stanton going to join me on Monday. Uh, Jody McDonald, my buddy, uh, will uh, talk some fills with us. We've got a bunch of different guests lined up. But I, I want to make this point for the game tomorrow, quickly before I wrap on the Phillies and the Padres to close it. Watch Garrett Cole in the first inning of this game including against Altuve, who is 0 for 23. Here's why. In the years, remember I said this, in the years covering the game and guys like this and guys who run hot on a motion, who have great stuff, and Max Scherzer is at the front of that line, go look at the statistics in the postseason, and a lot of times when you get those dudes, you get them for homers and you get them early. It happened to Scherzer. Forget about this run with the Mets, but even during the national runs, he'd give up a, a solo shot or a home run, a two-run shot early. He can't get him the rest of the game. Why? Because they're so jacked up. There's so much emotion. They overthrow that fastball a touch, even a mile per hour or two. People don't realize the difference that makes. Leaks over the middle and it's gone. Don't be surprised if Garrett Cole gives up a home run in the first inning in game three. Because here's a guy who's got all the Houston stuff and all the backdrop that people want to talk about with the garbage can. He got his own story. Garrett Cole got his own story with the Astros, which is, hey, and you know, look, it's not AJ Hinch anymore, but it that that's that team that didn't believe BLEAV. I should be back in that game late. And why wasn't I in there? And I wanted to help the team. And then boom, he was out. I mean, he had checked out at stage left 10 minutes after the game was over. All right. I was there. And that's carried and carried and carried. And now it's not going to be in use to be that home against that team. I would not be shocked if Altuve got him to end that offer to open the game. I think Garrett Cole will pitch well, but a lot of times guys who run hot in a motion like this, I'm telling you, especially who give up homers the way Cole does, watch him early in that game because a ball may fly out in that first inning. Uh, before we fly out for this show, Phillies and Padres tonight, really excited about this with this game three, one even going in. Uh, you know, look, how do you not expect Joe Musgrove to deal the way he's pitched has been brilliant. The road's not going to hurt him, but I, the thing I'm most looking forward to is this atmosphere. I said it, Look, I have no problem admitting it. And I think some of it was because of the way that the Met fan base was dumbed down the stretch. But for any Met fan who's watching or listening, uh, understand this. Uh, City Field during the end of the season, City Field during the games against the Padres, nowhere close, nowhere close to the atmosphere that CBP brought last week. Nowhere close. I mean, literally, you can hate the Phillies all you want. It's not even close. That's how bananas that Philly thing was. I mean, you, it jumps through the TV. Forget about being there when I know Kenny, uh, Ken Rosenthal was talking about his phone alerting him that it was too loud and it wasn't safe. It coming right through the television. That's the thing I'm looking forward to most is seeing that atmosphere that we get tonight in Philadelphia. Ranger Suarez will pitch well, but it, just as Sweeney pointed it out, and I've said it every day here on the pod, 
It is a race to get to your bullpen arms first. We saw the Swiss cheese in the Philly pen in game two after they had the bad fifth inning. It continued to go the wrong direction. But we know that if the Phillies can put you in the hands right now of Alvarado, Eflin, and and Sir Anthony Dominguez in whatever order, they got you kind of in a vice. Well, the same thing for the Padres, especially with Josh Hader, who now is breaking records, striking out eight consecutive batters in the postseason. It is going to be in the middle innings. I think both pitchers pitch well about just what Sweeney talked about. It. It's how to turn it in your favor to the bullpen arms that you're looking for first, and then you get to set the matchups for the rest of the way. And I think that'll be the story of this game in the middle innings. I, I still highly believe this series is going seven. The series right now with the Astros, um, Garrett Cole doesn't get off to a good start. Uh, you may be breaking brooms out in that series uh, between Houston and New York. New York had to do everything possible to with the rainouts and everything else just to get past the Guardians. And they can't hit right now. You got too many guys in the lineup with no confidence. Um, they're going to need Lance McCullers to not have it. The one good thing about a pitcher who uses the breaking ball like Lance does is sometimes there are times, and you're going to need some luck, the guy won't have a feel for it. And if he doesn't, he hangs them in that part. They're going a long way. You can go a long way with us on Filter Revolution at Casey Stern. Thanks to everybody who watched live. To all of you who are belated, listening or watching with us, Apple, Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcast. I'll converse with you on Twitter and along the way over the weekend about all things postseason. And see you right back here on October Unfiltered, presented by our good friends at Bet Online on Monday at noon Eastern. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.